Blog Talk Radio. Sound.com. Welcome everyone to today's Earth Energy Forecast Show on this Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. Thank you for tuning in today or if you're listening later to the podcast. I am your host, Joan Serio. And if you want to learn more about what's happening in the world, you want to know what's coming up on Earth Energy Forecast and other information related to this, just go to our Facebook group, Earth Energy Forecast. Look us up on Facebook, click on to uh, join our group, and in you go, and you can keep up to date with what's going around, and you can also share what's happening in your neck of the woods on this planet Earth that I so love. It's a beautiful day here. I hope you're having a beautiful day, too. Well, today, Mars is stationary, getting ready to go retrograde tomorrow. And in Mars retrograde fashion last night, there was a potential fire risk. I live in a duplex, and the other family had a um, an electrical issue that could have turned into a fire. And so I was up very, very early this morning with them. And luckily, everything was okay. But I just thought, wow, what a way to start the Mars retrograde season. And we're seeing that all across the United States anyways, with these terrible fires out west in Colorado, Arizona, and uh, California. And I'm so glad that uh, those campers got rescued in California. And my heart goes out to all of you. And for those in Denver, I know that you're having snow today. It was in the 90s yesterday, but you're having snow today. It's fire and ice time, and um, at least it's helping with the fires out there. So there's always a silver lining to everything. And with this Mars retrograde, we, again, have that opportunity to, to reflect all the rewords that you so well know about with Mercury retrograde, but with Mars retrograde, we get to look at ourselves and who we are and what we came to do and what motivates us and, uh, and work on what's next for our own identity. Because 2020 is a year of closing the book on our lives as we've known them. And we get to start fresh next year. So what are you going to, what are you going to do? What is your heart really calling you to do? What are you motivated to do? What stokes your fires and gives you passion? 
What is it that's been calling you for so long that maybe you've put off? Well, this is the time to take that time to reflect on all of that. And as we're doing a lot of this reflection, it is affecting our consciousness. And as if you haven't noticed, a lot of the shows I've had lately have been focusing on consciousness and where our consciousness is heading right now, because this is a time of acceleration and our awakening. And so today I'm going to bring on two guests that co-authored the book, The Ten Terrains of Consciousness. And I find it so fascinating. It's a great book. It's a good read. I hope you purchase it. And I hope you're going to enjoy today's show. And these two guests I just, just fit so well together. And, um, you know, it's giving the perspective of it from a feminine and a masculine standpoint. Um, and, and those energies we have in each of us, no matter if you're a male or a female. And I just, I just think that um, the perspectives they have in the book are great. So American-born Alan David Reed is a modern Renaissance man with a background in agriculture, technology, science, philosophy, history, divination, and shamanism. Australian Tawny Wolf is an inspiring visionary who has been a lawyer, Oxford scholar, screenwriter, radio host, coach, facilitator, and Feldenkrais practitioner. Together, they are the co-creators of the Ten Terrains of Consciousness, a groundbreaking model that helps you understand yourself, other people, and our world. Alan and Tawny are a dynamic duo in interviews, Beautifully balancing masculine and feminine, political and personal, gravitas and humor. Their website is tenterrains.com. Well, welcome to the show, Tawny and Alan. I'm so excited to have you here today. I read your book and I just love it. And I feel like I've I've walked all ten terrains. And I haven't gotten to number ten yet. I'm not saying that, but I've I've, I've I walk through them in the book. And I can't wait for you to share them with everybody. So, so let's get started. Well, thank you. Um, how did you come about with these ten terrains? I mean, where did they come from? How did you start all this? Well, it's it's an organic process. It's been a lifelong journey for me to understand uh, the the you know, the world we're living in, and Tanya as well has been looking at human dynamics. I have been in my life working with a lot of scientists and looking at uh, non-local consciousness and quantum physics and what has been evident to me is that the existing models of consciousness were all coming from the idea that it's coming from our brain, that consciousness is a result of our, our mind and then once we die it's gone. And actually the mystics and all of the sages of all the ages and now quantum physicists are starting to really get it. that. This entire universe is consciousness. It is conscious of every atom and every subatomic particle, and there are multiverses. And so what we're doing with this is basically changing the, the perspective that the Earth isn't at the center of the universe. The sun is in the sense that non-local consciousness, infinite consciousness, is what we are all a part of and a product of and arising from. And so this is a map of what that looks like from non-local infinite consciousness as one singular, indivisible, uh, aware entity, and then we're at degrees of separation from that based on trauma, based on conditioning, based on cultures and, and 
all of our beliefs that keep us from that which we already are. So this is this is basically a map and a journey back to ourselves. And in terms of how we came up with it, in sort of the simple sense of how we came up with it, we, Alan and I, when we first met, were actually in a relationship. We're not now, we're just colleagues. But at that time we were, so we were living together and we were always having these conversations. But what's under the differences between people? Well, what's really under it? What's really under it? And I come from a background of wanting to understand people and human dynamics and psychology and relationships. I've spent a lot of my life studying that stuff. And Alan's had this background in science and the mystics. And he tends to see the big macro patterns of civilization and history, and, and I tend to see the micro patterns of what's going on between people. But both of us really see patterns. And so we kept just asking, but what is under these differences? What is really under it? Is it just thoughts? Is it just beliefs? Is it just behaviors? Or is there actually something different that's about how people are relating to reality in their very essence in terms of how they're relating to their own infinite self? And as we started to see that, just through hours and hours and months and years of conversations, it just started to emerge. And we just started to write it down really quickly. <laughs> Well, that's great. Yes. So you can see the patterns. And I love that each terrain has its own symbol. I think that's really important. And it kind of goes to, well, you know, the sacred geometry that creates the universe and all of that. So, yeah, I love that. So, can I just say something about that? It was really interesting how we came up with the symbols because originally we didn't have symbols when we first were writing about it. And then one day we just realized we need to actually have some visual symbols because the symbols tell the story. Like if any of your listeners go to the website and look at the icons, the 10 icons at 10terrains.com, you'll see that each icon, if you look at it carefully, actually tells the story of that terrain. Like the first five, which are the outer based terrains where people are very much coming from separation as an individual. We have a dot on each icon which represents where that person is at in their relationship to the rest of the world. And the dot is in a different place on each icon. And then as someone gets to the connection-based terrain circle, when their relationship with self shifts to become much more of an inwards one and they're much more connected to the web of life and the community, actually the dot disappears because it's no longer needed because they're not so much coming from ego. So actually, the, the the pictures tell a story, which is why we spent a lot of time coming up with those. And because the subconscious is symbolic, these these icons actually are read by the subconscious in a flash, and and the subconscious will get this entire message non-verbally. Yeah, they they are very well depicting when you read what the terrain is about. They really do depict the terrain. Yes, and I love how you put everything together um, in the book. And there's various ways of people to understand these. But so, can you explain what a terrain, you know, what individual terrain is? And are we in one terrain at a time? Are we in all of the terrains? What what happens with these terrains? Like the metaphor of terrain in the land or uh, terrain in our, our health, uh, the terrain is the conditions upon which our beliefs, our perceptions are coming from. And so it underlies everything. So yes, each terrain, it's, uh, it's like a, a parallel universe to the one beside it. And it is, the, uh, it is the, the operating system for that person seeing the world. And it's like having different colored glasses. Each person is seeing at each terrain the world through a different lens, a different perspective. And so there's a, a very distinct language, a very distinct uh, perception and understanding that each person's having. And when you get to know these terrains, you get to understand how different people are seeing the world and have a way to, to you know, have a conversation with them that they can relate to. 
And in terms of what you asked about can you be only at one terrain or can you be at multiple terrains, if you think about it as an evolutionary journey, it's kind of similar to your age. You can only be 22 or 26. You can't be both. And, it, and uh, you can only be in France or you can be in Australia. You can't be both. It's, it's where you're at. It's not who you are. It's just where you're at at this moment in time. And because it's an evolutionary model, people can actually expand and grow and their perception can grow to such a massive amount that one day they actually will shift into the next terrain. But not everybody will. Some people will spend the whole life at one terrain and that's completely fine because they have particular work and, and purpose here in the world that requires them to go very deeply into that terrain and the learnings of that terrain and the offerings of that terrain. And someone else's journey might require them to go through several terrains in their life and have massive shifts and awakenings and what, what's happening to me? I don't know where I am because I've changed so much. Who am I now? I'm doing totally different things than I used to do because their journeys required that. And so everybody's journey is so different and that's why there's really no right or wrong and it's, and it's totally fine to stay at the same terrain your whole life. What's important is to understand where you're at and to have compassion for where you're at so that you can be okay with where you're at and really learn the lessons that you're meant to be learning at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So could you take one of the terrains where maybe a good chunk of the population might be at right now and explain what that terrain is so people can get an idea of what these terrains are like? I think that it would be useful maybe for me to explain two of them that are the ones that most people you're going to meet at the moment will be at, because say 30, 40, 50, 60% of the population. Um, And that would be the order-based terrain square and the reflection-based terrain diamond. So if you think of the order-based terrain square, this is a terrain where Compared to the previous one, which is very much the Wild West and every man for himself and I'm going to accumulate wealth and power to keep myself safe, that's what we find at Pyramid, the rule-based terrain. When someone moves into the square, the order-based terrain, they're very much coming from a contribution to the society. How can I fit into my society? And how can I, and, and their whole sense of safety, like I feel safe because I'm part of this smoothly running machine of society. So I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer, I'm going to fit in, I'm going to contribute. And they tend to agree with the consensus reality. They tend to do what, what you know, follow what authority figures say, you know, go to university, invest in the banking system. Like they very much uh, believe in the systems of society and they want to be a part of that system and, uh, and they believe in the smoothly running system. And then when you compare that to the terrain beyond that, the reflection-based terrain diamond, the big thing that shifts there is that a person's sense of safety doesn't no longer comes from the system. It comes from their own individual intelligence and their own ingenuity. So at that point, it's like, well, hang on, I'm not going to do just what my father said or the university said. I'm the, what, what do I want to do? Who am I? And then it really becomes about identity and unique expression, and I'm going to stride my own path, and I'm going to innovate, and I'm going to overthrow the system, and I don't care about the status quo. And that's where people start questioning their gender and their identity and their life path and their life purpose and a lot of personal growth work starts. So you probably can uh, really see a lot of people you know in both of those two terrains. And what I, I would like to add to that is that these terrains alternate between collective and individual. So the, or, the order-based terrain is a collective terrain, and you would hear the term law and order. So the collective is essentially working with this idea of law and order. Diamond is looking at more of an individual expression, and so in a sense, it's where you're rebelling against the law and order, you're rebelling against the collective, and you're trying to find your individual expression and individual uniqueness apart from that. So these are, they're, they're playing off each other. Each of these terrains kind of play off the one before it and are in reaction to the one before it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the diamond terrain is, is like a, a, another case of the terrible twos. 
you know, where it's all about <laughs> you finding your own, you know, your own unique identity and see how far you can go with things. Is that there's well, a lot to be said for that, yeah. Except yes. that, you know, so many of the greatest inventions and contributions to humanity have come from this terrain. I mean, some of the most genius thinkers in our world, you know, we wouldn't have the internet if our culture hadn't shifted into diamond as a collective prevailing terrain, you know. We would still be just all living in a centralized system where everyone was doing what everyone else was doing. You know, all the cars would look the same. You know, we're, we're in a world now where so much of the positive stuff in our world and so much of the shadow stuff in our world is coming about because we are mm-hmm. at the Mm-hmm. It's really important to remember that all of these trains have incredible positives, but they also have shadows, and we have to really keep a really neutral view on that. Yeah, the the point you're making that that the diamond is when you start to really open up to your individual spirituality. So in a sense, that is you would think maybe the twos, the terrible twos, in the sense that you're just starting to find yourself, and as you expand more and more, you're moving into a, a deeper awareness within yourself and a, and a maturity around that uh, spiritual expression, which goes much more into self-responsibility for everyone else. So there's yeah. a reaction to that, then there's a, a, re- real, a realization that you need to be responsible for that because that's mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah, because essentially yeah. what happens at the terrain beyond Diamond, or just briefly plan just to give some context, because you will meet quite a few people at this terrain. It's called the connection-based terrain circle, and it's actually the terrain that as a Western culture, we're starting to just hint a little bit in the direction of circle now that all of this COVID stuff is happening. It's actually pushing the collective in the direction towards circle now. And that circle is where people start to have a really deep connection to the web of life and to their own community and to their heart and to their inner self and to their body. And a lot of the head stuff and the ideologies and the learning and the mental stuff drops away and people start to shift from doing into a state of being. And a, a world where the prevailing terrain is circle is a very different world from the one we're living in now. It's a much more connected world, deeper mm-hmm, connected, mm-hmm. much lifestyle, less reliance on technology, much closer to nature. So, yeah, there are people in the world shifting between diamond and circle at the moment because of what's happening. So it's quite important to understand about that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and, and it's like um, the mature or the adult version of the terrible twos, I guess, I I. I could have rephrased it in that way. And yes, it is important though for us to find our own unique voice and to have the freedom to think differently so we can invent all of these things so that society and consciousness can keep expanding. So do these terrains kind of like change from individual focus to collective focus and then back to individual focus or is it constantly expanding it's constantly expanding there is a different energy in the sense that you know when you're in one terrain the focus may be a little bit more on collective or the focus may be a little bit more on individual but each terrain builds on the other because once you're aware you can't become unaware so if you've shifted from pyramid to square and you knew, you now care about the collective and your family and society as a whole, that doesn't go away when you shift to diamond. It's just that now you're thinking outside the box in how you can look after everyone. And then you shift to circle, you're still an original thinker, you still have an individual sense of self, but now you're also connected to the web of life. And when you shift to spiral, you're still connected to the web of life, but you now have more of a multidimensional cosmic self sense of self as well. So each builds on the other. So someone who, who's at infinity has a very deep appreciation and understanding of all the terrains because they've got all of them and they've lived all of them. 
But in the other direction, it's not the same. Like, so someone at Pyramid who has never been beyond Pyramid can't really get what it means to be like at Square or at Diamond because it's, it's kind of like the hearing range of dogs. We can't hear it, but they can. It's outside our ability to hear. And so in, in some senses, if you're talking to someone at one end of the spectrum, they, they understand all of them. And if you're talking to someone at the other end, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what if we want to change our terrain? Now that we're learning about these terrains and, you know, people buy your book and they're like, wow, this is awesome and I want to be at this terrain. How can we change or can we change consciously? Well, that's a great question. Um, you are where you are because of the, the traumas you've experienced, the stories you're holding on to, the conditioning, the programming. So when you look at this map in a, in a larger context, we already are this singular consciousness at infinity. But apart from that, if I were to take a rubber band and take it off of my finger, then that's the resistance that we are uh, apart from ourselves. And so to heal back, because it's a self-healing universe, we have to do the work. You can't willfully change your terrain. You have to do the work to heal. You have to heal the trauma. You have to heal and let go of the stories. You have to uh, look at the conditioning. And all of this is a process. And as you come to that awareness and surrender and acceptance of yourself and self-love and all of the, the things you hear about in the various uh, mysteries and, and personal growth, you will naturally come back to yourself. And so it's, it, it's, it's taking you there. It wants to take you there because it takes a lot of energy to hold you apart from yourself. If you were to hold this rubber band off your finger, that's a lot of energy to keep that in resistance. So it's wanting to bring you home. You're wanting to come back to yourself. It's your stuff that's keeping you apart from that. And so healing your stuff is how you shift terrains. But that's just not something you can read a book to do. You have to do the deep work. The, the mm -hmm, deep, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. You know, all the different processes that are on the planet to help you uh, clear yourself. But at the same time, because I'm always going to balance what Alan says, it's really important to remember that everybody is at the terrain they're meant to be at this moment in time. And there's actually no need to be at the next terrain. It's not like you're going to get, get to infinity and you win a prize. It's not like better to be at the next terrain. There's no goal here. You know, you've got lifetimes and infinite lifetimes to explore and all the different playpens. And the many, many masters come back and choose to come back in at Radial or Pyramid to relearn some things they didn't fully learn the last time. So there's really no agenda here. And it's really important to have compassion for where you're at at any moment in time in your journey because there's actually spectacular gifts that you can offer the world at each terrain if you really learn the lessons of that terrain. There are very, very wise people at every terrain. I mean, we have um, a quiz that people can do where they can find out their terrain, and you can do that at 10terrains.com. And once people have done that, they can get a report and learn all about where they're at right now in their journey in, and see all the gifts of that, but also all the challenges and the things that are really difficult because they're at that point. And they can also see the lessons that they're meant to learn at that point in their journey. And one of the other fun gifts that we give people when they get their report is a free ebook called The Terrains of Famous People in History. And it's actually really inspiring to see that because you'll see people that you totally admire from the last, you know, four or five hundred years who are at every different terrain. And you realize that there are great leaders at each terrain. There are great teachers. There are great scientists. There are great pioneers. They're just seeing the world differently. 
So mm-hmm. it's important to balance like the, the urge for growth at the moment that's coming so much out of the collective culture at Diamond, which is all about expansion and growth, which is beautiful and it's leading to amazing breakthroughs in humanity, but also to balance that with, with an understanding that it's actually okay to be where you're at and you can't consciously choose to be ahead of where you're at because it's actually not your ego in charge, it's actually your infinite self that's in charge and it will shift you only and if you're ready to shift and you don't know when that's mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you answered one of my questions because I was going to ask, so for those that believe in uh, reincarnation, would you necessarily come back at the same level or the next level or where would, you know, is it a linear process? And you're saying, no, not necessarily. It's a linear process within this current incarnation. Like while I'm alive now, I can't go backwards. But you could choose to come in again and do it differently the next time. It's just that in this particular incarnation, you are you're on the journey. Well, and and there is something to be said for the fact that as you reincarnate, you're picking up where you left off. So if you have uh, a lot of past lives where you've had a lot of trauma uh, and you've collected a lot of beliefs, those are going to be a starting point that you're going to be coming back in with, and so you will find yourself settling somewhere close to where you, you came out of the last, uh, last time. Uh-huh. Last time. Unless you're a super expanded being at infinity or nothing, and then you might have a bit more choice about where you come in next. Yeah, then, then you can just pick and choose. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, the, one, the one's in reaction, the other one is by, by volition, but that, again, takes a, a level of mastery. So it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you come out of this, I guess, as to where you're going to come back into it. Interesting. So how do you determine where a person is and what terrain they're in? How 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 did you come up with um a set of okay here here are the questions or here are the rules or or here is the here are the characteristics? Well, there's there's at each terrain a language, a memetics, uh and if you look at the memetics, there's charge in those memetics. And so there's, there's a, a very precise process that we've been mapping, and people are reflecting this time and again. We've been doing empirical research now for five years as we've been developing this. So by the questions we ask when you take the quiz and how you select the answers, that's determining uh, where you're going to uh, come you know, out in this quiz. And so it's, 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 it, it's very accurate, actually, in most cases. Uh, you're going to fall within a very uh, defined window, and then that's a place for you to, you know, start investigating. It may not be entirely right on, but in most cases it will be. But you'll be able to at least start your journey there and and refine and go deeper into understanding yourself. And it definitely has not been an easy journey for us to develop the quiz. It's very accurate now, but it took a lot of work because we're having to assess where people are at beyond their own sense of self and beyond their own ego identity and beyond anything they've read in books or anything they've learned about spirituality and actually find where is someone at in an embodied way. And we originally had a very long questionnaire that took people an hour to do and it was in, they wrote essays and it was incredibly accurate because it was just so long. But, but through doing that with lots and lots of people, we started to really see what are the key questions that really sort the wheat from the chaff and that really shows someone's terrain as opposed to showing their personality or things they've read. And over time, we really started to see and we found a way to do it in a much shorter, easier version. So this quiz only takes 10 minutes, but it's very accurate. But that was that was a learning process for us because it's not easy stuff to figure out. Yeah. And it's hard for people to just read the book or read their website and figure out their own terrain because often you can't see the water you're swimming in. 
It's actually quite hard to see the color of the glasses that you're wearing unless you really either either really have studied this model, like more than just reading the book, like really have spent years studying it, then you probably could see. Or if you're really super ruthlessly honest with yourself, which most people aren't, and that's okay, including us. So you need a little bit of reflection often from outside just to give you a window. And so what we say to people is do the quiz and then read the report. It's like a 40-page report. It's very detailed. And, and most people will go, oh, my God, that nailed me. Yeah. Some people will read it and go, oh, I don't know. And then we say sit with it. And some people go, you know what, that's just not my terrain. Um, it, I didn't answer it accurately. I'm going to sit with this. I'm going to study more. And then they figure out which one they're at or they do the quiz again. But other people sometimes write to us like three or four months later and say, you know what, that actually turned out to be really accurate. But I couldn't see it at the time of all my stories about myself. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> what were you going to say, Alan? Oh, I wasn't. I thought you were going to say something to add to that. So, so right now, the collective is moving into. Well, they're in diamond. The majority of the collective is in diamond right now. Diamond. Uh, in in the Western world, the prevailing terrain is is a diamond. Uh, with this COVID uh, event, it's it's moved a notch. Uh, the planet has actually stilled itself a bit, and, and collectively there's been a shift. So we can look at this in two ways. There's a, a larger spiritual perspective that's happening collectively, the collective self, if you will. The, our collective evolution is happening on one level, and, and yet then there's, there's things on the ground happening with uh, the pandemic or just any economic situation or political situation, which... So we're seeing it from one side of the coin, uh, oftentimes from from our human perspective, but there's a bigger picture that's informing what's happening. And so we are slowly moving towards circle uh, in the Western world. Interestingly, the the overall uh, prevailing train of the world is at circle because the planet needs to be uh, at that terrain in order to hold life together. And so the indigenous cultures have always been connected into nature and um, you know, the earth-based cultures have, have, have held this. As they're being uh, lessened, there's people then coming in the West that are starting to come back into nature and connect back to the web of life. So there's always, so the, the Gaia, the whole, if you talk about earth changes or the whole of, of life is always in control of this and always keeping things in balance on a, on a much larger level beyond our individual awareness. And so all of these changes we're experiencing because it's a holographic universe and it's a holographic planet, we're all holograms, this is all connected. It's all connected into one consciousness, and so it's balancing itself always. In terms of where we're at right now, at this moment in time, when we say the prevailing terrain is at diamond, that doesn't mean the majority of people are at diamond. It's probably like 30 40%. It's just that the, the gravity of the culture, when you sort of add everything up, means that we're there as a collective, but there's still large numbers of people at square. I mean, as a country we're in right now, Australia, the prevailing terrain is still at square, and um, there's other countries where the prevailing terrain is still at square, and there are quite large numbers of people now shifting into circle, and there are obviously always numbers of people at pyramid and at spiral, and there's smaller numbers of people at radial and at torus. The, the largest groups are at square and diamond. But what we're seeing at the moment, if you think of it as two valleys, there's a valley and there's another valley and in between that valley is a big mountain. Now someone's shifting terrain. They start out in the valley of square or the, let's say the valley of diamond and then you know something big happens in their life to start to expand their awareness. Maybe they've been at diamond for 20 or 30 years 
And something happens and they start their journey of evolution up that mountain towards circles, a big, long mountain. It could take years of work and study and experiences and learning. And then they start to come down the other side of the mountain. They go faster, faster, faster in their evolution. And then one day they shift into circle and like, wow, we're not in Kansas anymore. This is a totally different reality. So in terms of where we're at in the Western world, what we are sensing is happening with COVID at the moment is that first step out of the Valley of Diamond onto the mountain that's going to one day lead our culture to circle. We're certainly not on that mountain, we're not far along that journey yet, but it's such a big change in the evolutionary momentum when someone or, or something or a group shift from that valley into the start of that journey. And it's, it's very unsettling at the moment, but we can, people can feel those large shifts afoot, but it's certainly not the completion of that journey. You know, as people are starting to come out of the distraction of doing a little bit of experience of quietness and stillness and being reconnection to their families and their friends, and the disconnection is just the beginning of that journey of reconnection is starting. So it's really powerful. Yeah, the, the busyness that was happening at the Valley of Diamonds, everybody was just in the doing, 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 going, 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 things ever all different directions, had to be, was, was stopped overnight worldwide. And so there was a, a forced stillness, a forced meditation that then people had to just sort of like musical chairs, the music stopped and everybody had to just sit where they were at. And in a sense, that then stilled that momentum and that stillness is the beginning to moving to circle where you're starting to take sort of reflection. And then now people, because of that, are starting to question, well, maybe I don't need to be quite so busy. Maybe I, you know, can spend more time with my family or be more in nature or just be more quiet. I don't have to be running, running, running. So that's, that's caused a bit of a shift. And, the, and it's mainly hitting the people who are already on that mountain journey from Diamond to Circle. They're the people whose, whose evolution has been accelerated at the moment. So anyone who's already starting to shift from Diamond to Circle has been sped up. And everyone who is in the Diamond Valley is just taking that first step up. And some people who are at square are now being pulled by the gravity of that closer to diamond. And you can just see how the whole thing kind of works as a collective. The last couple of weeks, I've had people come on the show talking about the raising of the consciousness right now. And it feels like it's being accelerated. How does that fit in with your model? Um. Well, it's the idea that, like I just mentioned, we are, um, if you could, imagine if you're in a theater and there's 10 rows of chairs across and, you know, 10 rows of 10 chairs and, and there's 100 people and everybody shifts one chair to the left and the person on the back row then moves up one row and the next row moves up one row and then the one person stands up. The whole theater's just shifted one seat to the left. But in that process, there's been a tidal wave of change that's happened. So somebody could be in, at square at eight square and move to seven square. Somebody could be at diamond at uh, five and move to four because there's, there's steps along the way to the fractal. So there's, there's points along each of these terrains. Everybody's moving just a little bit because of, of these changes. It's, it, there's, there's been a, a sh it's, like a, it's like a seismic shift. It's like an earthquake. It just causes everything to jump over a notch. And that's causing what would then be perceived as a, a, a tsunami when you take the total in, in account. The reason it's a tsunami is because the biggest shift on the continuum of terrains is the shift from diamond to, square, to circle. 
So if, if this little, you know, Alan's beautiful metaphor he's just given of everyone moving one seat to the left, if, if as a collective at the moment we were moving from square to diamond and this whole thing happened, it wouldn't be as big of a cataclysmic change. It's because the prevailing terrain in the Western world is starting to get ready to move from diamond to circle that this business of everyone moving one seat in a cinema is causing a cataclysmic shift because the shift from diamond to circle is the biggest shift in the entire ten shifts that are possible because it's a shift from head to heart. It's a shift from outer to inner, and it's a shift from doing to being, and it's a shift from disconnection to connection. So that's why this shift, even though it's actually no bigger than any other shift that's ever happened, feels so big because the quality of the shift and the, and the impact of the shift is going to be so big because that's the point that we're moving between right now. But there's always been shifts. There was a shift in the collective from radial to pyramid. There was a, a shift from pyramid to square. There was a shift from square to diamond, you know, there's always been these shifts and there always will be, but this is a really big one because diamond moving to circle is the biggest one. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I noticed in the book you talk about the 10 journeys instead of the 10 terrains. And at circle, it is the journey of heart connection. So can you talk about the journeys? What, what are the different levels of the different terrains and the different journeys that we go through? Well, yeah, each terrain, as Alan said, is like its own universe, but you could also think of it as like its own university. And so if, you, if you've come in to learn about being in the heart and being in connection and you've chosen to be born to have that as your journey in life, you'll be born probably at diamond shifting into circle because as you start to come into circle, you really start to explore that journey of connection, how to listen to my heart, how to listen to the web of life, how to go into a state of being, how to go into stillness, how to go into quiet, how to become more connected, how to become more connected, how to make choices from my heart. That's not the same stuff that someone, say, at Spiral is learning or someone at Square is learning because their journey is different. The journey at Spiral is a journey of inner truth. So that person is really very much working on coming into coherence on all level of their being and listening not just to their heart but to their higher self and their higher knowing and their body and their gut and reconciling all of those different things and finding where do I feel coherent and what is my unique energetic signature and how is that resonating out into the world and who is attracted to my energy. And it's just all about energy and coherence. It's a totally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Journey of exploration, of play, of learning, of discovery than someone's doing at the previous terrain. So yeah, they are kind of different sand pits, different play pins, different universities, whatever kind of metaphor you want to use. They're all exploring something different. They all have different challenges, different lessons, and different gifts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the lesson at Circle is the lesson about opening your heart. It's one of the main lessons, yeah, about connection, opening your heart, not just in the sense of being more emotionally open, but in the sense of really deeply listening to your own body, to your own knowing, to your body wisdom, to the stuff that's beyond the mind stories. Like when the mind is quiet and you actually listen to your heart and connect from your heart from a vulnerable place of authenticity to someone else, that's very different to what's happening in the current diamond world, which a lot about it is a lot about identity and projecting an identity out so that people will see you as a radical or see you as this kind of sexuality or see you as this kind of artist or this kind of visionary. All of that drops away at circle. All the masks drop away at circle and someone is really, really okay with being vulnerable and presenting from their heart. And I would, I would add to that that the listening from the heart is, is also a connection into the web of life. So you, you know, often hear people chide tree huggers. Well, that's because, you know, they actually feel the pain of that tree if it's getting cut down because they're connected to it. Their heart is actually feeling this connection to the animals 
not only to other people, but it's to the animals, to the tree, to nature, to the whole of life. And so as you come more into this connection, you're going to respond differently than if you're disconnected from it. It's like, oh, I'll take the tree down, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for the house or for progress. You know, it's just, you know, we can just take that forest out. We need to, you know, do something over there. And so there's, there's really not, they're not going to feel that, that impact. So you get a lot of um, issues now in our world where you've got those that are feeling the impact and, and trying to be a voice for the voiceless. And those that are like, no, we, we need to put the freeway there and just, you know, we don't care if we're taking out uh, endangered species. It's just, we just, you know, we got to keep plodding along as this progress, you know. So they're, they're, they're all just different worlds trying to find their, you know, their own way and they're starting to clash with each other. But there's also a complicating factor, which is that at Diamond, the reflection-based terrain, people can be extremely passionate about conservation and environmentalism and caring for the earth. But it's not coming from a visceral place of feeling the pain of the tree. It's coming from an ideology and a belief, and it's just as powerful as we need it. I'm not complaining. Like mm-hmm, we need mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a different place. It's coming from believing in permaculture, believing in ecology, studying the ideas, and thinking it's a fantastic approach, and it's my ideology, and I'm vegan, and that's my identity. That's different to how someone at Circle is showing up around the same issues. They are actually sitting there crying because they feel the pain of what's happening to Mother Earth. I have friends at Circle right now who are literally crying with relief that the world has stopped and all the aeroplanes have stopped and that the Earth is having a chance to breathe. And that's all they're feeling. They're just feeling relief because they can feel mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So what does this mean as more and more of us go into Circle? What will this mean for the Earth and her healing? Well, Such a beautiful question. <laughs> we're, we're going to, and, and we covered in the back of the book various uh examples of shifts in economies and shifts in, in society. Uh, what we're going to be seeing as, as we become more collectively connected, we're going to be seeing a different set of values that will then be reflected in our economics. We'll be pooling resources more than everybody having an individual car, let's say, people will start to ride share more or they'll do things where they will share amongst the community uh, resources. And so they're looking more at a, at a sustainability, a conservation. And so the, the whole economics are going to shift. The relationship to nature is going to shift. There's, there's going to be shifts on, on many, many fronts, uh, financial systems, um, money systems. They'll all, be, they'll all come looking differently and they'll move more and more to where we are now to more of a gifting in time, uh, you know, giving to each other more than really having to need money. We'll just simply, as we're more connected to each other, we'll just start to give to each other because it's like, I'm, you're my brother and my sister. I'm just getting so, good. Yeah. Where, where we live in the particular part of Australia we live, the prevailing terrain is circle. And it's a small part of Australia. It's a small sort of alternative community. And, you know, however many thousands of people are here, the prevailing terrain is circle. And I'm telling you, it is life living in a different universe. Like when you go to events or gatherings, like everybody has a chance to speak. There's always a talking stick passed around. People are showing up really vulnerable, sharing their truth and their feelings. But everyone's listening, coming from a humble place. There's no leader. They're not like an inspiring figure that's trying to lead because they're the charismatic leader. It's really not running like that. And the kinds of decisions that are being made are how can we raise everybody's lifeboat so all people are fed and all people are housed. And it's just a totally different way of resolving disputes. It's a totally different way of sharing resources. It's a totally different way of relating to the water and the, and the ecosystem. And 
all the kind of sciences that are being invented by people around here and the kind of music, the music is all heart-centered lyrics and they don't get up on stage. They actually sit in with the audience and sing like it's a different thing. And the sciences that are coming out, they're all kind of like biomimicry. They're based on the patterns of nature rather than trying to, rather than trying to outsmart nature. They're like, oh, let's, let's, nature does this. Yeah, it's just a totally different way of thinking. And we feel very blessed to live in this part of Australia because we're getting a little glimpse into what humanity might be like in 50 or 100 years, assuming we don't destroy ourselves. And we, we believe that we believe, personally believe that we won't destroy ourselves. We have a very hopeful perspective. But assuming we don't, and the shift continues, which it inevitably must, eventually the world will look a little bit like how where we live. And it's a beautiful thing. And watching the children, watching the children is extraordinary compared to the children in the city. The children here are connected to nature. They play with each other. They're not all on devices. They're eating really natural foods. It's mm. just such a different way that the children here relate to each other. The parents are yeah, all yeah. They're all like nonviolent communication, and the kids are all listening to it. Like it's just so different. <laughs> it must be so refreshing for the kids, especially for the new children that come in. And then you know, this is just this is the way I choose to live. Yeah, yeah. So is this kind of like the Netherlands then? I think, you know, I think there's some countries that maybe are living closer to. I mean, are there, are there other sections of the there, world that are? There are. You know, there, little enclaves everywhere. There, you know, in, in this area, there are actually, we've mapped out the different personalities of the different, you know, the prevailing terrains of the different uh, towns and communities. And, and certainly we see that with nations. Some nations are... Uh, more advanced. I would say some of the Scandinavian nations are probably much more moving to circle uh, and pockets within them are, are more Zealand, advanced. Possibly. possibly New Zealand. You've got communities like Findhorn or Dominher, you know, that are, that are mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. mechanisms mm-hmm. of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, there are places in the world that are, and, and nations in the world that are more at this, this cutting edge of, of uh, a collective uh, Community, whereas there's other places in the world that are actually still exampling very primitive uh, Game of Thrones uh, <laughs> behavior and uh, you know warring and they're just feudalism. Yeah. And, yeah. And, so it's it's well, quite what, interesting. And what point. we would say to people listening who are at Circle or maybe living in alternative communities, like because the world is starting its beginning stages of its journey up that mountain towards Circle, people who are already there, who already know how to function there can be real way showers at the moment. Like they can really be modeling new living styles, new environmental systems, new ways of getting around, new kind of financial systems. And that's what's starting to happen. And I think once people learn about the 10 terrains, they'll realize how important it is that they're modeling those things and developing those things. Because 50 years from now or 30 years from now, they're going to be really needed on a larger scale than they are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We already are at circle or spiral, but you're actually making a huge difference just by living the way you are and, and building on that and, and exemplifying it. At the moment, it's going to be really important. And I yeah. think that's really a, a, a fundamental message for everyone is that what we can do is be the example that we want others to aspire to rather than try and change each other. We can, with this model and this understanding of the terrains, have compassion mm-hmm. for the pain they're in and the place they're at if they're uh, in, a, in a more contracted relationship to themselves. And we just simply are being this... this uh, being of, of love and light and life and, and they will want to know well, what are you doing I really you know aspire to, to have that sort of peace within myself 
and and then you have an opportunity to guide and to show. But you don't need to teach. You don't need to change or anything in your family or in your neighborhoods. You just need to be this with yourself. And so you know, like famous saying, it's change begins within, and it's it's if you know, change mm-hmm. the world itself. Mm-hmm. This is all an inside job for all of us to do. Find out where you're at, learn what you need to learn, heal what you need to heal, be the best version of you you can be. And if we all just take care of ourselves individually, we'll we'll collectively get there just, you know, automatically. I think what Alan's saying is also just brought up another point that we haven't said yet, which is actually an important one, is that one of the real benefits of understanding the ten terrains is being able to understand the other people in your life, like your husband. Uh-huh or father, or your colleagues, or your neighbors, because they may not be at the same terrain as you. And some people can get really frustrated, like, why are they not doing this growth work that I'm doing? Or why are they not blah, 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 blah? Why are they not contributing to society? Or whatever point they're at, they'll look at the previous one and go, why are they not? Why are they not? And actually, once you start to understand where someone else is coming from, you can actually really just hold space for that person in their journey and have compassion for that person. Allow them to be where they're at and really understand what support they need at the point that they're at, and it's not going to be the support that you need at the point that you're at. And you can use language to communicate with them that they will actually be able to hear, because primarily most people just want to feel safe, and each of these terrains have a very different thing that causes them to feel safe. And when you understand that, you can speak into that for someone, and they'll start to relax around you. Instead of trying to teach them, well, why don't you try natural therapies, or why aren't you open to this, blah, 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 you can actually just <laughs> where at, and mm-hmm. all it goes away and all of your frustration at trying to change someone else will go away because ultimately it's quite arrogant to try and change someone else because they're on their own journey their infinite self is choosing their journey your infinite self is choosing your journey and the whole of consciousness collectively is creating the entire play and the entire tapestry and it's all designed very cleverly so you don't want to mess with it by making someone do something they're not supposed to be doing (laughs) so it's really helpful for people to understand the terrains just just purely for conflict resolution and harmony in their lives interpersonally between their family and friends and colleagues. So, yeah, we haven't mentioned that yet, so it's good that you brought that up. Yeah. So how could someone, after reading the book, implement that in their life? I mean, can they kind of, because you really have to go through your your quiz on how to, how to figure out what terrain you're in. Well, you would need they do it through the book and say, well, I think this one's still at square, and so... Do your own, you need to do your own terrain first so you really get a reference point where you're at because that'll explain, firstly, just that in itself will show you where, when you meet people the same terrain as you, you recognize it. When you realize they're at a different terrain, you recognize it. Then you've got to figure out which one they're at. Firstly, you could just ask them to do the quiz. I've got plenty of people I know who've just sent it to their husband or sent it to their father, and that's easy. But if they're not open to that or you don't think they would do that, then you're just going to have to really think about it, study them. You know, Over time, we're going to be training a lot of people to be what we call terrain mappers. And there'll be people who haven't read the book, but they've done really deep study and they've got as much knowledge eventually that we do, because at the moment there's only two terrain mappers, that's me and Alan. But eventually there'll be many, and they'll be able to be working in counseling professions or diplomatic professions or mediation professions. And they will be able to see the two people in the room, not only their personality differences and their different attachment styles and their childhood wounding and all that, but they'll also be able to see which terrain each person's coming from. And that can just clear up so much stuff if you know all of these things. But even if you don't have that training yet, just reading the book will start to give you some sense of it. And definitely if you get that person to do the quiz, then that will be much more accurate, obviously. But over time, you get a lot easier at recognizing it. And you can Mm -hmm. always... Mm -hmm. 
be wrong, but even the fact that you're asking the question shows that you're willing to to put yourself in someone else's shoes and you're willing to engage with them and you're willing to hold space for them and you're willing to be compassionate. So even if you get it wrong, it's still better than not caring where they're at at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would like to invite your listeners to our website at tenterrains.com and I'll spell that as T-E-N-T-E-R-R-A-I-N-S.com and the link there is slash quiz or you can put the link to the quiz. Taking the quiz and getting the report will give you a sense of yourself. Reading the book will give you a sense of this model more holistically and your relationship to everything. And we are in the process of developing a community and online courses that will allow you even more access to this material and to go much deeper. And so by taking the quiz, you're joining the, the community to then be, uh, have that available to you. So that's the place to start. Uh, we also have on the website a, a video that you can watch. Uh, it's a, a two-hour video that, that covers the, the material uh, as a as live presentation, and that, that uh, complements the book as well. We have YouTube videos on our YouTube channel, at 10 Terrains, so there's, and we're adding to that. We've just done a series on the COVID at each terrain, the COVID response at each terrain, and that's been quite uh, helpful for people to really see the application of the terrains rather than just reading about it as an abstract idea. Here we're starting to apply it in real time to to life in this moment as as the events are unfolding. So we're going to continue to be developing materials like that so that you can really see how all this applies because it is a very uh, directly applied model. It's not just an esoteric or an abstract mm-hmm. thing. This this has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very direct application to, as Tani mentioned, dispute resolution and conflict resolution, as well as just every aspect of our lives. It applies to everything. And for some people who are very focused on interpersonal connection, like you've just been asking about, or some people are really focused on personal growth, there's a third group of people who tend to be drawn to the ten terrains, and they're people who are very politically focused, and they're trying to make sense of what is happening, and what is happening, and why are our leaders making these choices? Why is this country acting like this? Why is this community acting like this? And those people tend to find the ten terrains model very helpful to map or guess or estimate where different players in the world may be coming from in their terrain and the different forces. So that's um, another way that it's very helpful. And the other thing that came up while Alan was speaking was just this community that we're currently in the process of building. Why we're really excited about that is we've had a lot of people do our quiz, and let's say they come out at Spiral, and there's not that many people around at that terrain, and certainly not where they live, and none of their family are, and they're like, well, wow, you really understand me, this report really understands me, but now how do I meet other people who understand me? Like, where are these other people? And so we really realize, particularly mm-hmm. at Circle and Spiral and Torrid, where the numbers are smaller, but we needed to help people meet each other. So it's yeah, that's, very, that's very helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah coming which is, and it's interesting because originally we were like, well, people want an online community, but now the whole world's so online that actually it will actually be really natural for people and helpful for them, even if the person's on the other side of the world that's at the same terrain as them to really, because when you, it's not just like, obviously I'm ENFP, when I meet other ENFP personality types, I really click with them because we've got the same personality, but we might be at a totally different terrain, so there's some fundamentally deep stuff where we don't get each other. When you meet someone at the same terrain as you, especially if you have a similar personality, then it's just like, oh my God, we're so similar, we're such kindred spirits, you really get me, I really get you. It's profound, and so many of us really want that kind of... Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And what yeah. With the models also bringing to people that are that are more expanded 
is a sense of, of not being crazy that they actually come to peace because if you've got the consensus reality at square primarily or diamond, you're, you're really ahead of the pack, you're different and you, you may not know why you're different and you may think, well, there's something wrong with me and what we're finding is that no, there's nothing wrong with you. Once you really understand where you're at in, in a more expanded sense, you actually come to a place of peace. It's like, no, I'm actually really in a good place and, and I should be celebrating this and not be beating myself up. Because it's, and people are coming back with us just how that is, has brought them to a sense of inner joy rather than frustration and despair because they're somehow not seeing things the same way as their, their you know, peers around them. And so there's, there's many benefits to this uh, at any point along this uh, continuum to learn about yourself. Um, for, for just an infinite number of reasons. That's why we get so excited when we talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So how can people connect with each other and the community on your website? So like, oh, I'm at a spiral and I want to find other spiral people. You well, know, in, is there some way they can do that now? Building In the process of building that, so within a few months that will happen. So what we're saying to people now is just do the quiz which gets you on the mailing list. It's only $5, it takes 10 minutes. Then you're in the mailing list, and then as the community starts, you know, coming into being, because at the moment we're talking to programmers and building it, uh, then people will be able to, you know, straight away join in, and it'll be, it'll be really yeah, well, and, and we'll be able to, you know, give people a, a place, you know, to, for a starting place in the community as well, based on their quiz results. Uh, so it's 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 an evolution, and of course we want to bring uh, you know as many people together as we can so that's that's when we all start is just get you know get involved with uh, the model and, and the work and the, and learning about yourself and then organically we'll all start to come together as this evolves mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Tony you started talking about personality types but how are the trend terrains different from like Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or even learning styles well, it's a great question for me because I'm obsessed with all of that stuff. Like, I can tell you everything about any Enneagram and any personality type and any star sign and everything. So I love all that stuff. And so I've been really fascinated by this question because, let's take me for example. I'm ENFP, Myers-Briggs, I'm a three Enneagram, I'm a Gemini, I'm a manifesting generator in the human design, and I don't know what my learning style is, but I'm tall and blonde. So that's my body type. So, you know, if I was a square, if I was a square, I'd still be ENFP, Gemini, you know, whatever, whatever. If I was a diamond, I'd still be ENFP, Gemini, I'd still have blonde hair, I'd still be tall. You know, none of those things are going to change because that's the geometry that I came in with. That's the nature. That's my that's my fingerprint. Like that's not going to change. But I'm going to get older. I'm going to be a Gemini 23, and then I'm going to be a Gemini 30. It's the same with my terrain. I'm going to be an Enneagram 3. I'm still going to be seeking to achieve. I'm going to be uh, talking a lot as an ENFP and be making intuitive leaps as an ENFP. But I'm going to be at Spiral or I'm going to be at Torrid. And the thing is that, that your personality type doesn't change, but how you show up changes, you know, how you embody that personality type, you know, you might, as someone who's an ENFP, we can be real limelight stars of the show, and if I was at a different terrain, I might be taking over everybody all the time, whereas as as I get more expanded, and also as I grow up and get more mature, I can step back and let other people shine, and shine the spotlight on someone else, and use my charisma for that purpose, so everybody's personality type, and their star sign, and their human design, and their body type, and all of that, their talents, their gifts, those things won't change, but how they use those things will change. How they embody those things will change. So it's a, that's why it's a fantastic question. This is really not a typing system. This is a developmental model. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So if you put a group of people all like different star signs but and they're all different personality types, but they're all a circle in the same room, they all have a deep affinity with each other, even if they have different thinking styles and different one's introverted and one's extroverted, all their personality stuff's different, they still have a fundamental relationship with reality that's the same that they won't have with all the people in the next room who are a diamond. Journey. It's a developmental model, but it's also a map of our spiritual evolution. So it's a it's a it's an evolutionary model as well, and I think that's at its fundamental core. And it's that evolution. In, from one perspective, it's an evolution, but on the, another point, as I mentioned before, we're self-healing back to ourselves. So you could say we're evolving, and some people think we're ascending, but there's there's really no ascension happening or evolution happening. We're just remembering who we always were. We're just healing back to that point which we all came from, and and you know then in that coming back home, we're connected to everything. We see our relationship to everything. We have appreciation for each other and everything, and and responsibility starts to take hold more so. Whereas some people that are more separated may blame others for everything happening, and it's us versus them. When you start to come to realize that you're everyone. There's nobody blaming you but you. You know, you're standing in the mirror looking at you and who are you to blame? You know, so that's that's really mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. for Well, I can just feel the audience right now saying, So where is the US in all of this? <laughs> We're going through such turmoil. Because you know, if you know anything about astrology, we're in our Pluto return here in the U.S., and we're going through quite a bit. Uh, I'm sure you're watching the show from afar, and yeah. I'm not so afar. But anyways, there, there are a lot of listeners in the U.S., so in general, where are we in the U.S. and your 10 terrains? I'll defer to Alan since he's actually American. <laughs> um <laughs> It's it's a great question. Uh, there is what I'm seeing happening is a a bit of a, a tension between the old world that's wanting to hold on to what it had in pyramid and and square and sort of certain institutions that want to keep things status quo, and then there's others that are trying to move things forward and and progress and to heal and to be inclusive. And so there's, there's these competing forces that are sort of pulling at each other. And, there, and, and so that's, that's what, I guess, evolution does, is that it, there's the moment of chaos. And so the Pluto return, it's, it's bringing a lot of this to the head. It's bringing a lot of this, what was otherwise there under the surface, just kind of simmering. It's brought it to a boil. And so there's just a lot of tension being pulled in all directions, ultimately because think of infinite consciousness and we're all puppets on strings, all of us, and planets and everything, universes. It's got this whole thing figured out. It's just, it's like a butterfly, it's like a, a moth moving to a butterfly. We're right now in that sort of um, stage between where it's just a soup of who knows what, and it, it doesn't really yeah. know where it's going or what it's going to become, but eventually it becomes this beautiful butterfly. So at the end of the day, spirit has this whole thing under control, even though it looks like certain players are creating havoc and certain things are going sideways and it just doesn't make sense. Well, that's, that's the, uh, the, the confusion that's, that's necessary for this thing to rearrange itself. It's like mm-hmm. one picture morphing to another picture. 
And that's what the U.S. is, is really experiencing on a, on a spiritual level in a very big way. And I am watching it very closely, actually. <laughs> but you're not going to commit to a terrain? Well, we've, we've said that the, 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 whole, the prevailing terrain, the terrain is, is a diamond. A diamond? But, you know, if you look at a bell curve over this continuum, uh, you've got some, you know, staunch players at Pyramid. Uh, yeah. Staunch yeah. fortunes that... Yeah. Um, and, and with, with, you know, I would say sort of archaic industries in some cases, that they are not going to let go of that control and power. And so they're trying to clamp down. They're trying to pull back and claw back because we were self-healing. Social media was prolifically sharing truths and information and people were growing very quickly. And we collectively were starting to self-heal back to infinity. And then this... Uh, uh, other group just said, wait a minute, um, uh, we're losing mind share and market share. We need to traumatize the planet and create fear, create division. So what you're seeing is forces that are, in, and I will call them forces, because at that contracted terrain, you don't have power because you're, you're, you're really working apart from the affinity of love. Mm-hmm. These forces are doing everything they can to create fear and division and polarization because that's how they can keep control. You know, right. you look politics and dialectics and all of that, where we were all coming to a place of, of, of unity and harmony and growth and, 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 uh, and, and alignments together. And so that's where we're seeing that we see all of the censorship happening on Facebook. It's like these certain media giants that have the control and, and are owned by certain uh, of these factions. They're, they don't want that. They want the narrative back. They don't want an open discussion. They're, they're like, no, or you're going to only hear what we had to say. Just like 50 years ago when you had CBS, ABC, and NBC, you know, you had three media voices, and that's where you got your news. And, and then the Internet came along, and, and you had every flavor and discussion going of all alternatives and everything, and everybody's like hearing it from all sides. And then the, those that owned those media want that voice back, and they want you only to hear them by censoring everything else. But it's also like it's it's also an inevitable outcome of a culture moving fully into diamond. Because the US is fully into diamond, Australia's not, we're still bit in square. Like when a culture's fully into diamond, it's like the it's like the horse has gotten loose. You cannot control the masses anymore. Like there's there's free information, there's freedom of information, people can access things independently of centralized structures. So suddenly everyone's got information. And so what's going to happen, there's inevitably going to be a backlash where there's going to be people who are used to having power trying to seize that power and trying to pull the horse back in, but the horse has already gotten free. The horse yeah. is a because it died. The horse is out of the gate, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's inevitable what's happening at the moment. If you understand terrain, like, it, it can't happen when the collective is square. There's no need for any of this. The square, everyone's doing what they're told and going to university and getting jobs and contributing to society and not questioning anything. You don't need mm-hmm. any, any crazy stuff happening. Right, right, you don't yeah. need once the culture comes through this eye of this needle and ends up at circle, everything will calm down. But at the moment, when we're in the valley of diamond and really fully 100% <laughs> diamond in every aspect of our civilization, our television, our culture, it's all, everything's shifting into diamond. All the stuff on Netflix used to be square and now it's all diamond. Like, this is inevitable, this kind of backlash and chaos. Because and how do we make diamonds? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. This pressure, and it's like those that have had control for centuries are inevitably going to be rattled by this. Like you can't have the existence of the internet without rattling certain structures. So it's just the internet is just the smallest piece of this. But even if you just look at that, freedom of information, like that's what's going on at the moment. Everyone's questioning everything, questioning everything. 
that's going to lead to some chaos for a while. Not necessarily fun. And, and that is the mantra of, of uh, Diamond is to question everything. And you know, I would encourage uh, all of your listeners to question everything and to question this model and to question, you know, just to, to ask the question because that's how we evolve and grow. It's yeah. by individually asking the question, doing our own homework, doing our own research. Don't take it mm-hmm. from someone else. Uh, you know, use them as, as guideposts, perhaps. But uh, do your own. Find find what's true for you. And that's really what the message of diamonds. Find what's true for you, and find, and then as you start to then find your inner truth, how does that feel to your heart? Does that really feel like it's 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 serving you? Is it is it serving your health? Is it serving your life? You know? Serving humanity? Is it serving your community? Right. Yeah. To expand that even more. Yeah. Because it reminds me of uh, the Mayan calendar and Carl Kalman's. Um, nine waves and that universal yeah. consciousness, the co-creation that we're in now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's work. definitely an interesting time to be alive, and it's no coincidence that we were given this information at this time. And right. we've been sitting on it for a few years. We wrote the book a few years ago, and I was like, no, it's not really the time to go out and speak about this yet. We just knew it wasn't. Stuff kept happening in our personalized interview with that. And then suddenly all the decks got cleared, and suddenly we had all this space for you to suddenly start doing interviews, and it's just the exact time when all this COVID stuff's happening and everyone's finally going, what is going on? What is going on? And they're actually needing this information. So like, there's no coincidences here. Everything is really ultimately orchestrated for the highest good of all. And once we come to a place where we can trust that, then a lot of the stress comes out of life and we can just be much more coming from a place of trust and surrender. But that's, that's part of the journey of the terrain. At certain points, someone gets to that point, their life becomes a lot more relaxed. But at the same time, it doesn't suddenly become necessarily easier because if someone comes to a more expanded terrain, say they come to toroid and they're in a place of deep trust with life and they're very surrendered, at the same time they're having to do a lot of work to constantly stay in their center and not be affected exactly. by And any time they get triggered, they've got to come back to their center. And center. Be yep. vigilant. People are like, oh, I just wish I was enlightened. Life would be so easy. Uh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's all work. It's totally wish. <laughs> That's the master. <laughs> I mean, you know, as you're as you're enlightened, you are 100% self responsible of every thought, of every 100%, action, 100%, 100%. 100%. So, <laughs> yep. Well, this has just been so timely, and I'm just so glad that I found both of you to come on the show. Um, it's been very enlightening for me. I hope it is for everyone else. And I hope they buy your book and go on to tenterrains.com and do the quiz and find out where you are and embrace it. And thank you so much for being here, Alan and Tawny. Thank you so much for having us on. And, uh, yeah, we very much enjoyed uh, sharing this with you. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It's so lovely being interviewed with someone who's a real kindred spirit. And we really, really enjoyed it. So thank you so much for asking such great questions. Thank you. So I hope you do go and purchase the book. And next week, next Tuesday, is the third Tuesday of the month. So that is Loving the Earth Day with Jane Reading and I. So please join us then. And for the rest of the day, enjoy your time. Be grateful for every moment you have. And much love, everyone. Take care. (music) 